Over the weekend, the Wagner mercenary group, headed by Evgeny Prigozhin, uh, left Ukraine, went into Russia, took over a big city there, then went up to Moscow, got within about 120 miles of it, turned around when they said there was a deal, and actually withdrew. We heard earlier today, Martha, from Prigozhin, and he said in an audio message that, in fact, he wasn't trying to topple Putin, and he was sorry about those 13 uh, Russian soldiers that they killed, but he had a problem because he thought Putin was trying to get rid of his uh, force, and he also had a problem the way Putin was running this war. Well, that happened a couple hours ago, Martha, and, and Putin wasn't going to let that stand in a recorded message that ran on state TV, which we just saw a few moments ago. Uh, Putin responded. Let me give you a rough paraphrase of a, a key Part of, part of this uh, message. He said, and I'm quoting here, from the very beginning of the events, all necessary decisions were immediately taken to neutralize the threat, to protect the constitutional order, life and safety of our citizens. An armed rebellion would have been suppressed in any case. He went on to say, the organizers of the rebellion, betraying their country, their people, betrayed those who were dragged into the crime. They lied to them, pushed them to death, under fire, to shoot at their own. It was this outcome fratricidal that Russia's enemies wanted. So basically, Martha, uh, Putin is raising the specter of civil war in his country, and he is claiming that he's the one that avoided the civil war, that headed that off. Uh, he was a little bit uh, vague about the future of the Wagner force. He said they could either sign up with the uh, uh, Russian military or go to neighboring Belarus. Remember, in that deal that ended this all on Saturday, supposedly Prigozhin, the leader, would go to Belarus. And uh, it's unclear exactly uh, whether he's going to go, because Prigozhin didn't say where he was going to go. So it seems like, uh, number one, uh, Putin was very vague about the future of Wagner. Uh, number two, he was saying that his country was on the brink which has got to unsettle a whole lot of people. But number three, he said that he was the one that solved everything and everything's back to normal and don't worry about it, Russia. But in fact, his words have got to be very disturbing to a lot of people who watch Russia, who watch this region, and including from the folks here in Ukraine who are still doing battle with Russia. Yeah. Martha. All right. Well, that was Greg Palcott of Fox News reporting uh, what's current news when we're recording this by by the time you hear it you know 10 other things will have happened but that's Greg's reporting from that part of the world where we know there's so much loss of life so much turmoil it's been going on now for over a year uh, and I you know no one knows how this this is going to end and it's had tremendous effect on all of us I um, this is by the way Sandy Rios of Sandy Rios 247 Um let me just say that I, I haven't said too much about the conflict in Ukraine and the conflict in Russia um, since we started this podcast. And even before that, Russia is a place of tremendous interest to me. I've been fascinated with Russian history since I was young. I named my daughter Sasha. I was going to name my son Nicholas Mikkel until my uh, we made a change at the last minute because um, I've been to Russia. I've visited Russia. I've had fascinating stories. I could tell you so many things about Russia. Uh, but the one thing I would say, the reason I haven't covered it, is because what I know is that what comes out of that part of the world from our, through our media and from their outlets, and that includes Ukraine as well, are things that you can rarely trust. You rarely will know what's really happening. I have a good friend who's a Russian expert who lived in Russia for a number of years I was a reporter for the London um, Financial Times. He married a Russian woman. He's fluent in Russian. 
And we've done, he's done several books on Russia. He's become a friend of mine through the years, David Satter. But David would explain to me uh, how the KGB would work with um, not just double agents, but triple agents and double and triple lies. So that it's kind of like, a, it's just such a web that it's very hard to know what's true. And that is the very reason why I don't discuss this. Uh, I hardly ever do. I pay attention. I We know that there's a tragedy of regular people, of their lives, especially in Ukraine, especially in Ukraine. We all know that, and there's so much relief going in to help them. Uh, but the thing that I have decided to focus on is just the care of the people uh, because uh, the powers are so twisted and they will lead you to believe certain things that aren't true. And we have the same thing happening in this country because we have the uh, Biden administration, you know, taking money from Ukraine, making money in that area. So uh, what's that all about? And how are we to decir- decipher between the agony we see the people going through with all the bombs and the, the refugee status uh, and what's happening with the governments and our government included? I, I just think it's an impossible thing to discern. And that's why you don't hear me declare uh, anything on my opinion yet of that. I, I'm very suspicious about how uh, the the uh, invasion into Ukraine took place and what was the catalyst. I have my own thoughts about that. Uh, but today, um, I want to also say that Russia has really been a country that has suffered terribly under various regimes and iterations through the generations and the millennia here because it's an old country of leadership, bloody, bloody wars, bloody murders, bloody communism. Uh, and Ukraine has been part of that. They've been part of that Eastern Bloc. You can't really separate them too much. Uh, they were at one time, you know, the, they identified with each other as the same uh, sort of uh, entity. So it's it's hard for us to discern. So today in our first discussion, we're going to talk with Dirk Smith, who is the vice president of Eastern European Mission. And Dirk is going to tell us what's happening behind the scenes. These are things we can know. We can know how the church in Ukraine is responding. We're going to major on Ukraine, not Russia. We don't know so much about Russia right now. Uh, But the Ukrainian church and all the ways God is working, it's pretty amazing. And it's actually really good news in the midst. Don't you know, our God is so wonderful. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. And he never wastes these kind of horrors in the world. And so it's going to be a story of redemption. Um, you know, uh, we're, and speaking of redemption, we're getting into the one-year anniversary of the overturning of Roe versus Wade, which caused the death of over 64 million babies. Keep that number in mind, because I'm going to ask you something related to that in just a second. You can imagine, if you just stop and think about the scope of it, of the effect on our country, a loss of a generation, uh, the effect on the women that made that choice, uh, whether they are depressed and sad or whether they actually were injured so that they can never have children again, that's often something that happens, or whether they got hard and are now themselves some of the most vocal advocates of abortion. That happens too, and they need to be prayed for too. So this is the situation we find ourselves in as a result of that decision made by the Supreme Court in 1973. So today with Preborn, who provides ultrasound, for all the women now who are considering uh, the, terminating the life of their babies, they provide these beautiful graphic uh, ultrasounds to show them what the baby looks like. And most of the time, the women decide to keep their babies. If you would like to help them, uh, what 
we'd like to do right now in honor of that first anniversary and really in memory of those 64 million babies whose lives were lost, could you give $64 uh, just in honor of that special marker? That's, that's just we thought that would be something that kind of brings it into focus for all of us. All you have to do is go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. And you can make your, your most generous uh, donation. If you can't afford $64, then whatever you can afford will be put to use to save the lives of unborn babies. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. And now uh, a couple of treats for you. First, we're going to hear this story about what's happening in the church in Ukraine. It really is such a great story. And after that, one of my favorite people, and it might be one of your favorites too if you listen to AFR Talk, Abe Hamilton will join us for a discussion uh, and you won't be disappointed. So stay tuned to this episode of Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice, not social justice, but God's justice, what's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association, a pro life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This is Sandy Rios and Sandy Rios 24-7, and it's my privilege to have Dirk Smith sitting across from me. He is um, with Eastern European Mission. Uh, He's the vice president, actually. And um, what we're going to talk about today, the reason I asked Dirk to join me, this really intrigued me. We hear about Ukraine a lot in the news. We hear a lot about it. There's a lot of controversial opinions about what's happening over there. But one thing is certain. Uh, I know for certain that there are so many Christians in Ukraine. I know that because uh, many of them have come to America. uh, And um, just the music, they remind me very much of the old Russian Orthodox, the Russian music with the pathos and the beauty of it. They are steeped in Christianity in Ukraine, even though everyone may not be a a born-again, Bible-believing Christian. And uh, there's a great move of God over there right now that I really didn't know much about. I know something about it, but this intrigued me. So, Dirk, uh, first of all, welcome. Thanks for Thank joining you. me. It's great to be with you, Sandy. Yeah, so um, you, I know that um, I know missions well enough, as I do politics and news, Dirk, so I talk about the hard things. Uh, but I recognize that when you are in your position in a mission, you, you need to be apolitical, at least as much as you can be. Uh, but would you say, in general, what we're hearing on the news is really what's happening? Well, unfortunately, we're not hearing a whole lot on the news. And, and I would say that what we are hearing on the news, I would say, is not accurate. And uh, right, right now, it's amazing that it's fallen out of the headlines. You know, we have this horrible war taking place that none of us our age have seen anything like this in our lifetime. And why it's not headline and why we don't have reporters on the ground just reporting on this on a regular basis really amazes me. But um, no, we're, we're not getting we're not getting the facts. We're not we're not hearing a lot of the detail. And frankly, I guess it's because a lot of the detail is very horrific. It's it's terrible. I think I'd like, the way I view this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, 
is that we've got this whole thing that's happening in Ukraine that has nothing to do with the suffering of the people. Uh, I believe there's some utility going on. on it's nothing. It's not a clean story. Like, I don't think you can pick out who's right and who's wrong. I don't mean on the war. I don't mean Putin should have invaded Ukraine. I'm not speaking about that. But there's so many shades. It's like, it's very dis hard to discern what's going on. And I think there are entities using the war for their own purposes, and it's become very twisted. Meanwhile, the Ukrainian people are suffering. That's the point, and that's what we want to talk about today, Dirk. Yeah. Um, I know Eastern Europe, what other countries do you work in first? Well, it's a long list. I mean, last year we distributed into 35 different countries, and... Uh, translated into 26 different languages. So, wow. In yeah. Eastern Europe. Well, that's why we, we go by EEM now rather than Eastern European Mission okay. because we're kind of going the route of UPS because okay. there are a lot of nations that we work in that yeah. if we were to show up and say, hey, we're with Eastern European Mission, they'd say, well, what are you doing here? Because right. we're not Eastern Europe. Okay. So, I mean, we're our, our distribution point in Kazakhstan is 170 miles from the Chinese border. So that's definitely Asia. And, uh, you know, we're heavy in the Balkans. So, uh, so yeah, 30, and we're in Greece. We do a lot out of Greece because it's just a crossroads to, to everywhere in, in Eastern Europe and in the surrounding countries that we work in. So when you say distribution, I, uh, uh I, I actually was going to talk to you about Ukraine, but I, I do like in general, what is it you're, are you distributing, uh, what? Yes. Yeah, so I can guess, but you tell me. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> EEM, we publish, print and distribute. Bibles and Bible-based materials in, like I said, 30, 30 plus nations, 20 plus languages, all free of charge. So we're, we're like the wholesaler working with all the retailers. So okay. if people are out there doing evangelistic work, our, our only thing is it doesn't sit on the shelf. It doesn't go in a drawer. This is going into somebody's hands and it's all requests. We don't push. It's based on a pull. So people who are asking for Bibles, we're their supplier. So here in the U.S., unfortunately, we're one of the best-kept secrets. But when I interact with people and they say, you know, I know a mission that's in Bulgaria. <laughs> and I say, well, ask them if they know who we are. And they come back and they say, oh, my gosh, yeah, they say they can't survive without you. You supply them everything. So, I mean, last year, our distribution increased 28% in one year wow. off of requests. Well, of course, I, uh, just to... By way of teaching, because it seems like it's hard to get to and know what's happening in the world. You don't get it in school, and people don't get it on the news. And I would just say that after the Soviet Union broke up, we ended up with a whole lot of Eastern European nations, and they continued to split because they were ethnic groups that identified with each other, uh, and uh, the lines were not as firmly drawn <laughs> as right. I, I guess. I don't know who drew those lines. Was that post-World War II? You know, it's changed so much, Sandy. If you look at the history of Eastern Europe, and there's some great videos out on YouTube that show how many times it's changed <laughs> hand and who controlled it and who controls yeah. it now. It, it's crazy. I just got back. I was in uh, from May 1st through the 13th. I was in Europe, did five countries in 13 days, just touching base with some of our ministry partners. And uh, one of those is North Macedonia. We're doing a lot of work in North Macedonia right now. Very, very interesting country. Beautiful country, beautiful people, but their history is just very complex. You know, how they feel about the Greeks and how the Greeks <laughs> feel about them. And, you know, they're friends with Serbia, they're friends with Croatia, they love us, they love the, the Americans, but if you're Greek, yeah, they're not so much, you know, in favor of you. Although, you know, Christians are, are unifying and they're bonded together, but, uh, 
But like North Macedonia, they're we're we're uh, we're finishing up the second half of a project. They asked for 450,000 children's Bibles for their public schools, and so we did 200 and 225,000 wow. last year and 225,000 this year. Didn't Poland do that also? Distribute uh, Bibles in public schools, um, or was it? Not in. No, I'm not aware of anything in Poland. We do some work in Poland, but they have not. Croatia has. Croatia. There's Croatia a certain, has. I remember reading about that. Yeah, we've done over over a million books in Croatia and Bosnia Herzegovina. Yeah. So there's like a reawakening, and I, I've just pictures that I've seen and things that I've heard. Uh, looks like they're building up their countries. There. I mean, I I, re- I recognize I'm giving a. I'm not an expert. It's just that I see pictures. I saw Bulgaria, a whole travel log on them. It just looks so beautiful. And even though it's, you know, it's not, you know, a thriving Western city, it has history and beautiful buildings and it's clean and there's like a resurgence. And in many ways, I think Eastern Europe is a good place to visit now, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Now it's a, it's a challenge because you've got two classes. You've got the very wealthy and you have everybody else. Really? So okay. there's really not a middle class. So that's the... Um, that's the misunderstanding is people think, well, why are you giving Bibles away? Can't these people afford them? No, they can't. I mean, they are they are very, very poor. I mean, the people that are really searching and uh, and it's but it's a we're seeing a unity movement, Sandy. It's it's phenomenal. I go in and I sit around tables where I've got an Orthodox priest, priest I've got a Catholic priest, I've got a I've got an evangelical pastor. I've got a, you know, all around the same table and they're all locking arms and saying, mm-hmm. And let's just talk about Jesus. Let's let's put aside our differences, and let's focus on getting Jesus into our country, whatever that country is. And I, I walk away, and I hear them quoting John 17. I mean, in my head, I'm I'm saying, man, this is John 17, and they quote it. You know. All right. So then let's let's apply that thing that you just said to Ukraine specifically. Um, Tell us what is happening in the church. And by that, of course, you know, I mean, I'm not talking about the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. I'm talking about the, the body of Christ. What's happening? It is growing. And they are so strong. I tell you, if people want to be inspired by fellow believers, just look at Ukrainians. Uh, boy, the Bible studies are packed. Uh, they are, and of course, they're all moving. You've got, last estimate, 17 million between the internally di- displaced and the refugees that have left the nation. So it's a massive group of people that are on the move, but as they move, they're sharing the gospel with people. And, and it's, you know, and whether whether St. Francis of Assisi actually said this, he gets credited with it, and I love the quote, you know, speak the gospel, you know, preach the gospel daily and when necessary use words. And that's really what they're doing. They're, they're traveling with fellow Ukrainians who are going through the same hell that they are, but they're looking at them and saying, okay, why are you so calm about this? There's this peace that passes understanding about you and they're sharing Jesus with them so the request for just Ukrainian language Bibles for us last year rose 40 percent and not just in Ukraine probably. no all, all around yeah because they're they're asking for them in Ukraine we're still we're still printing we are we're able to print in Ukraine still right now and distributing in Ukraine but we're getting the request from Poland and from Hungary and from Moldova all the surrounding the neighboring countries because the Ukrainians are pouring into those nations and they're they're sharing the gospel I mean they're either it's either a Ukrainian who's asking for a Bible themselves or they're talking to other people so are there any 
uh, are the people allowed to worship in churches in Ukraine? Oh, yes. Because I, I did read uh, the headline, maybe the first couple of sentences of an article that said something about um, we thought our enemy was Russia, but actually our enemy is our own government. And I don't even know what that meant. No. Uh, so you yeah. don't think so? You think no. that, that the, the current president is a friend to the Christian population? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And that's coming from, and that's coming from people on the ground. Yeah, you know, they, well, that's why I asked, because you yeah. could read anything. Oh, you yeah. never know. They, they want to make him out to be something he's not. And what, what is he? You know, it's a great question. I don't know that he's a believer. I've not met Zelensky. Uh, I don't know that he's a believer, but I, from everything I'm hearing and we're hearing, we don't see him as an enemy to believers. And he's, I mean, he's met with the Evangelical uh, Alliance there. He's met with all the different faith groups. And not an enemy by any stretch of the imagination. Now, I think there are certain people <laughs> further east who would like that to be the narrative that, that gets bought off on um, to promote their own orthodoxy and, and some of their own beliefs. To, I mean, They're seeking justification. You know, they've got to come up with a justification, uh, which I don't know how you do, how you justify bombing homes with children sleeping in them. And this is not a military base of any kind. They're innocent civilians who are being murdered on a regular basis. So I, I think, you know, that's, that's the goal is to, we have to justify this somehow. And, uh, but no, he's, he's been a friend. And there have been Ukrainians who have read some of the news and just said, man, this is not true. This is not true. Don't, don't, you know, Zelensky's, he's, a, he's been a good president. Now, is he above reproach? No. Uh, I, I don't know his downfallings, but, you know, I'm not above reproach. Yeah. So. yeah, but just the general the general information that's good, but that he's not working against the church. I think it's very important. So, all right, so how can people, if they're listening, uh, people, they need practical help that people that are refugees and in trouble and war zones need. There are a lot of people doing that, but your specific, your specific goal is to... Well, we are doing two things right now, uh, and last year we got into it. We don't typically do humanitarian aid, but so many of our partners on the ground, you know, when this war broke out, crazy money started showing up, and when crazy money starts going, it goes to crazy places. And as we thought and feared, there were a lot of people on the ground that really were not getting the funding. So our partners on the ground said, man, we need help. We need help. We just need to get food and clothing and shelter. And so we jumped into that and raised uh, about $2 million, that, and we just did a pass-through account. It came in, and it went straight out. So if wow. somebody gave $100, it came in and went right out the door. So we're still doing that right now. So that's a, that's a way that people can get involved because there's, there's still a lot of need there. But the amazing thing is we've got Ukrainians who, before even asking for humanitarian aid, they're asking for a Bible. They're asking for a Bible in their language. So we're in the midst of a, uh, of a campaign that finishes up the end of uh, June called Bibles for Kids. It's our Bibles for Kids campaign, and it's a matching fund campaign. So we have a group of donors who have stepped up and said, hey, we'll match dollar for dollar. And it's to raise enough funds for 560,000 children's Bibles to go into 20 different languages. A lot of those are going to Ukraine. Um, but uh, you know, our goal is 2.8 million. And uh, so we've, we've got donors who have stepped up and pledged 1.4 million. But uh, so now $5 buys a Bible. 
typically, but with this matching fund, five dollars gets two Bibles. Two Bibles, yeah. Two Bibles, and that's all in. That's uh, that's everything. So, if they're interested, how can they? Where would they go to help you? Yeah, go, go to our website eem.org. Eem.org. Yep, and okay. right at the top, they're going to see a banner that says Bibles for Kids. I can click on that. There's videos. There's all kinds of information there, and obviously a place to donate, and it's all secure. And I mean, they can see our transparency. We're very, very transparent about our our organization and our funding. You're the guy that got a degree in mathematics, aren't you? I was <laughs> yeah. reading your bio. Yeah, my and, under- I, and in the logistics or something like well, that. Well, my that actually makes sense to me. My undergrad is math, and. Uh, then I worked in healthcare consulting for about 11 years. And, and there's nothing mathematical about that anymore. No, no. <laughs> yeah, and, then, okay. and then I was in management consulting <laughs> back up in Philadelphia and up in New York. And and then just had a little epiphany and got into nonprofit. And uh, then I got my MBA, executive MBA. And then I figured out why I like numbers. you got to stop going to school, Dirk. Your mother should say, no, Dirk, <laughs> it's time to figure out what you're going to do with your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, what, what a wonderful thing to be uh, giving your gifts to. That's great, Dirk. Well, it's, uh, I, Sandy, I tell people it's the first time I don't have a job. It's a calling. <laughs> yeah, it's a no, calling. That's, that's perfect. That's perfect. All right, so eem.org. If you have an interest in helping uh, Eastern European Mission, uh, it's eem.org and Dirk uh, it's been a real pleasure it's been a real pleasure meeting Likewise. you thank you Great God to meet bless you. you guys and prosper your work thank you Sandy okay. thanks for having me on my pleasure well this is Sandy Rios of Sandy Rios 24-7 and that was a that was a few weeks ago at uh, the NRB I got so many interviews and I wanted to share them with you while we still can but the story about what's happening in Ukraine you know is just a uh, uh, an everlasting story. And so we're so happy about that. And I thought it would encourage you. And we need encouragement, do we not? Well, we're right about the time where we remember the first anniversary of the overturning of Roe versus Wade. It was June 24th of 2022. What a great day that was. Uh, You have no idea. Those of us that have fought uh, against abortion for these many decades, uh, what, what an achievement that was. Uh, it, it it wasn't always, um, it's getting more difficult to be pro-life now, but uh, because of the hard work of activists during the 70s and 80s, uh, and just the hard work in getting the truth out about what abortion really was, uh, the minds of the people of this country began to change. Uh, and so now we're experiencing uh, the uh, the pendulum swing the other way, where people are beginning to think, you know, that it's a they're bragging, they're boasting. Like in everything else, it's the world turned upside down, that somehow abortion uh, telling your story about your abortion has become popular. They're mimicking what women in this country, or women women who are pro-life have done, and that is to tell the stories of uh, just choosing to keep their baby. It's a, it's a mimic of that. It's a mockery, really. There's no comparison, is there? Uh, nevertheless, the world is upside down, and we need to fight this in each state now to make sure that we can save as many lives and as many women from this experience as we can. Ultrasound is in that business uh, and if you would like to help them, we're asking you to consider giving $64 in honor of the 64 million kids who were killed uh, in those years that uh, Roe versus Wade was uh, was the law of the land. All you have to do is go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy and make your, make your most generous donation. If it's not $64, whatever you can afford will be used. Um, I want to also say, you know, you can call us at 662-821-2040. We can't do a live conversation, but you leave a message and we're going to use it on the air and talk about, you know, what your question was and what you had to say. 
If you disagree or you agree, whatever, we really love hearing from you. Or you can write us at sandy at afr.net, sandy at afr.net, the old-fashioned way. And you can also go to sandyreels.com as a supplement to the show a bit uh, that will give you, it's brand new and up finally, (laughs) up finally, finally, sandyreels.com is functioning. And so it's a good place for you to go if you want to listen to the show or share with others. There's all kinds of ways you could use it. It also links to a new website that talks about my daughter, Sasha, that I think some of you would would really, um, you'd like. You'd like that. It would encourage your heart to it. That, and that's a Sasha song. All right. So when uh, while we were in uh, at NRB, our our own general counsel and public policy analyst and host of the Hamilton Corner uh, was the one of the keynote speakers the first night of NRB, along with Franklin Graham. Pretty good company. But Abe is a great speaker. He's just a he's he's just such a strong man of God, family guy, smart, smart, smart. And I loved my conversation with him. And I didn't want you to miss it. So. Here we go, NRB with Abraham Hamilton III. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. This is Sandy Rios, and this is Sandy Rios 24-7. Well, today you get to see things as opposed to just listening. Uh, We are live at National Religious Broadcasters Convention uh, in uh, beautiful Orlando. It's just glorious. And so there are a lot of people here that are fun to talk to. But last night, there was quite a lineup uh, of speakers. Franklin Graham was the keynote speaker. uh, But there was also a young man kind of new to the scene, at least new to NRB scene, I think, on main stage. His name is Abraham Hamilton III. And for American Family Radio listeners, they know all about Abe because he hosts the show, very popular show called Hamilton Corner. There's more to his life, but I will introduce him. Abe, thanks for joining me. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Sandy. It's a pleasure to be here. Okay, so, uh, by, by the way, I just want to add that Abe is the uh, general counsel for the American Family Association. I serve as their director of governmental affairs, so we we uh, we go back a long, well, not long for you, but longer for me. <laughs> we go back a ways, and it's really nice to see him on the stage last night and uh, see him making... Um, God is using him in powerful ways, so I'm glad to have him. So, Abe, thank you again. Thank you. All right, so tell me about last night. Because yes. this is the big stage, yes. and there's like thousands of people there, right? And so, uh, first of all, how did Frank, tell me how Frank, that Franklin guy did. How did he do? <laughs> He did well, and there was someone who came before him, too, Governor DeSantis. Oh, that uh, Spoke last night. Yeah, you know, and I gave him a, 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 a great shout-out for doing me a solid and warming up the crowd for me. I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah, right? Governor DeSantis uh, spoke very well. Uh, then uh, Franklin Graham ministered beautifully as well. Uh, yesterday evening was a great kickoff to this year's NRB convention. Yeah. All right, so Abe, uh, because we can't hear it yet, what, what did you speak on? I uh, focused on a whole cry of Maranatha. And where that came from is I was doing my regular show. As you know, from time to time, I'll take live calls. And this one particular Thursday evening, I'll never forget it, uh, a woman called in the show. She said to me, with you can feel the trepidation in her voice, the fear that had gripped her. She said, oh, hey, what do we do? Uh, and then she didn't wait for me to respond. She said, Maranatha. That Sunday following, a woman came to our church, said the exact same thing. So I knew the Lord was focusing my attention on something particular. And the cry of Maranatha, which means our Lord come, is an appropriate cry if it's whole. But the Lord doesn't want us to have a cry of Maranatha in an escapist 
sense. The whole cry of Maranatha would have us, yes, longing eagerly to be in the tangible presence of God, to dwell with him forever in the eternal state. But because we love this God as much as we profess to love him, it should also cause us to love his purposes for us, which includes him ordaining, as Acts 17, 26 says, the times that we are living in, the context that we're living in, so that men should seek God. So this whole cry of Maranatha would have us, yes, longing to be in the presence of God, but also longing equally, just as much as we long to be in his presence, to fulfill everything he's called us to in the here and now, because that portion of our existence is already secured in Christ. But the temporal engagement that we have now to be salt and light, we should pursue with the same zeal and passion that we have for the one who's ordained us for this time. Abe, I think that's so important because I do think um, there is a sort of a perversion. Uh, maybe that's too strong of a word. A desire so much to find safety that we forget that we are called to suffer. Mm. And we may be called to suffer very soon. Some people that I know in D.C. are suffering already a great deal. And I think that's a wonderful, I mean, that's a wonderful reality check with scripture yeah. of the blessed hope that has nothing to do with our comfort here. It truly does. Yeah. And, and one of the main sources of scripture that I used to convey this message last night was Philippians chapter one, verses 15 to 24. We have the apostle Paul who's incarcerated in a Roman prison, uh, but writing this epistle to the church in Philippi to where he, he says, I'm hard pressed on both sides. I don't know which to choose. To be in the presence of the Lord, to live is Christ, to die is gain, but I don't know which to choose. I don't think that inability to choose was due to an ignorance concerning the eternal state on the Apostle Paul's standpoint. No, it was because he loved the Lord so much so, he recognized that the Lord had fruitful ministry for him in the here and now. And it is because of that we get to read things like at the very end of Paul's epistle to the Philippians, that the saints of the Lord Jesus Christ greet you, including those in Caesar's household. There would be no saints in Caesar's household unless Paul willingly submitted himself to an unjust incarceration and appealed to Rome. That allowed there to be saints included in our eternal family from amongst Caesar's household. And we have the same opportunity in our time to do that here and now. Okay, so I have to tell you all that uh, Abe is also a pastor. Can you tell? <laughs> yeah, he, he preaches. He knows how to preach. Uh, but he is uh, the father of six kids. They're wonderful. We'll get into that, I hope. Yes. Uh, the sweet, six sweetest kids, funny, full of character, and he and his wife homeschool them. But the thing I want to major on right now, uh, before you came to American Family Association as the uh, general counsel, you were an attorney prosecuting That's the right. cases. And I remember we had occasion to talk about early on about, I think it was the case in Harris County, Texas, I'm not sure. But uh, what is the most interesting case uh, or notable case that you could just briefly tell us, that you, just to give us an idea of what you Yeah, did. so I, I was a major felony prosecutor before coming to AFA, literally the week before I'm, I came to AFA, I just finished a murder trial, literally. Um, the, the hardest cases I can say uh, for me to ever deal with were, were sexual assault of children. Um, I, I still remember each victim, each case, each circumstance, and I also Unlike some of my other uh, colleagues, I would walk with the families after the trials ended because that kind of invasion, of, uh, encroachment on the, the innocence of a child, uh, it wreaks havoc and the, 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 the ripples of the waves impact beyond that. Um, but I was a part of all kinds of things. The things they make television shows about, that's what I did. Major felony offenses, 
homicides, capital murders. I did all I did all of those things. It was a big deal to leave that. Yeah. Why did you leave it? I left it because I believed in the vision of Brother Don Wildman and the American Family Association. I found myself after finishing long trials of uh, a long murder trial, not wanting to do anything but to go over in the holdover cell and make sure I proclaim the gospel to the guy I just convicted, you know, uh, of the crime that they committed. And I found that happening and happening to me increasingly uh, because, yes, I would, would be a part of pursuing justice for an individual family uh, of victims of crime. Uh, but I realized that the source of the crime, as Jesus told us, is in the wicked heart of man. You know, where do murders come from? They come from the sinful heart. And so I saw my, the opportunity to join the American Family Association as a means to get to the root, as opposed to just dealing with the downstream consequences of sinfulness. I love that because uh, I came to the same realization in a different way. Because when I was uh, first started on talk radio so many years ago, people talked... I'm talking about on the dial, they talked politics, but there was no mention of God. Not much, maybe an allusion to him. Um, and as I got into talk radio, I just realized there's no way to address all these wicked things that are happening. When I went to work for Fox News Channel, I remember saying to Roger Ailes, I can't do this unless I can talk about God when it's relevant. And he was just, all in. That's not a problem. Because, Abe, you can't talk about this stuff. Now, you do uh, the Hamilton Corner. You did the same thing. You talk about Jesus openly, but you also talk about the headlines. I do. And now, how else can we do that? How You leave something unsaid. Yeah. Something is not make, it doesn't make sense without Jesus. It's absolutely right. It's, it's similar to, and this is not a direct analogy, but it's similar to trying to uh, pursue the mathematical discipline while leaving out of the conversation why we have a discipline called mathematics. So you mentioned my wife and I, we homeschool our children. We train our children not only what's two plus two, two plus two equals four, but we also add in the worldview question surrounding that mathematical equation. Two plus two equals what? Four. Can two plus two ever equal anything but four? No. Why do you know two plus two equals four? And they, they know to respond because our God has created a universe that is a fixed universe. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. As a result, our universe is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And it's because of the fixed nature of our universe that we can know two plus two equals four. Two plus two will ever, never equal anything but four because God has created the environment to allow mathematics and science to exist. Without those worldview considerations, you don't have a true education. Now our children are being taught things like Sir Isaac Newton and his, his, his laws of motion. But what people don't realize, so Isaac Newton can rightly be described as a theologian who dabbled in science because he wrote exponentially more about theology than he did about science. If that is foreclosed from our children's learning, do they truly have an education? If we address the headline and deny the God who presides over the headline, are we truly being informed? Yeah, we're not, and that's what's happening with our kids. They, have, they think Christianity is ignorant, <clears throat> and it needs to be tabled, not even talked about. Um, diminished, uh, ignored, and the truth is that Christians through the years, through the decades, through the millennia, have made, you know, they've, been, they've been the ones making these discoveries through God's help, you know, it's amazing. So not all, not all of them are Christians, I don't want, I'm not trying to say that, but many, many scientists and mathematicians were also believers in Christ. It's still true, by the way, it's still true with modern scientists, but you never hear that. 
Uh, Abe, you mentioned your six kids. Uh, what are their ages? Uh, my oldest is 12, and my youngest is 17 months right now. Okay, all I can say is, can you imagine a world, our world populated by Abe Hamilton's children? Can you imagine how much better our world would be? And if you ask me, you know, what we can do, because people, of course, ask us all the time, Abe. These are days of despair, really. They can be. Uh, that's one big thing. We raise our children right. Uh, so that they can be salt and light in their generation. Um, one last thing from what are, what what are you what do you hope to achieve with the gifts that God's given you? Well, by God's grace, I, I hope to be a part of uh, the Lord's remnant. And one thing that I get encouragement from in Scripture is the Lord never required a critical mass or majority to have His purposes accomplished. You know, He said through David, He said through Jonathan, the Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. And so, by God's grace, I hope to be a part of this remnant that would do his work. And, and as you mentioned, to pass the faith down to the next generation, something I had the privilege of just, just last night. My 12-year-old is reading uh, Erwin Lutzer's Hitler's Cross right now, reading his book. And uh, he got to meet Erwin Lutzer here at NRB. And so uh, that was something for him to see that even as a 12-year-old, that these are the kinds of things that draw his attention, that draw passion from him. Uh, I believe that, that those are the types of things we can do to help make investments into the generational legacy of Christ following and our nation and hopefully around the world. All right, Abraham Hamilton III, this has been a wonderful privilege. And I want, uh, I just would say a couple of things for, for those of you that are Christians, pray for Abe and his family, his wife, his children, that God will keep them strong and steadfast. Uh, and then you will remember, I think you remember, that you saw Abe when he was young and uh, had just spoken in NRB. I do. I think God's got great plans in store for Abe. And uh, so thanks for listening. This has been Sandy Rios, 24-7. Okay, Sandy Rio's back with you in the studio. That you know that little strange noise you heard. We were doing uh, at NRB. I did a number of uh, video interviews, and so it was a different setup with a different equipment. And there was a sort of a strange thing happening in the microphone. I hope that wasn't too distracting, because I, I thought it was worth you hearing Abe in spite of that, uh, because he has always such incredible things to say. If you'd like to know more about Abe, go to the the Abelt, the Hamilton Corner. That is the name of his show on AFR Talk, and you will be able to listen to him five days a week, because, and it's never a waste. Abe just, just has such wisdom. You will enjoy it. Well, all right, I hope you um, enjoyed today's version of Sandy Rios 24-7. I hope you learned something and were inspired. I certainly was. Uh, we thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on Sandy Rios 24-7.